They say that the best video editing is invisible. And if you were to look at a junior edit and an edit done by a professional, you'd be able to tell the difference. Even if you couldn't put it into words, the professional edit seems more invisible and the junior's edits seem more obvious. Why is that? How can, as a junior, how can you prevent that? And what are the differences that stand out between a junior and a pro? Well, that's what we're going to talk about today. So stick with me to find out. Hello and welcome to the video editing podcast from Unsplice. With me, your host, Shiny. If you don't know me already, I'm the founder of Unsplice. And Unsplice helps you escape mundane work by training you to become a career video editor so that you can take back control of your time and say yes to work that you enjoy wherever you want to do it. And the focus of Unspice training is not to learn how to cut one film, for example, um, but to prepare you for life as a professional career editor. Everything from the moment you receive the footage to the moment of delivery, including how to find work that brings you joy and to do the work to the best of your ability. That is all that Unsplice rides within the Unsplice Pro platform. And if that sounds like something you're interested in, head to unsplice.com forward slash pro. So what are the main differences between a pro or what does a pro editor do that a junior does not? Well, there's seven, I've got seven things that I'm going to run through with you today. And I'm going to break down what each of those things are. And they are most definitely not things that you would probably expect. Um, you might just be thinking about music or um, the types of cuts. That is not what we're going to talk about. We are talking a lot more nuanced and we're going to go a lot deeper into the psyche of video editing. And we're going to talk about some things that you may not even realize are a consideration with video editing. So number one, the first thing, and I'm not sure if these are in any particular order, but let's just imagine that they are. Um, number one, a pro would use symbolic footage. What does that mean? Well, if you are covering your edit with B-roll, then you may take on the adage, the old uh, saying, say it and see it, which is definitely something that I follow myself, certainly when it comes to documentary editing. Say it and see it simply means whatever you hear, whatever is going on in the story, just show it. Don't confuse the viewer, the audience, by having two conflicting things. One, saying one thing and then showing something completely different. Because whatever you show on screen, the viewer, the audience, will prioritize the visual compared to the audio. So if you've got something, two things that don't align, you're going to cause confusion with the viewer and the viewer's going to switch off. 
So um, it's really important that you kind of match, you say it and see it. But sometimes you may not wish to say it and see it, or you may not have the footage to show exactly what is what is happening in the story or in your audio. Could that that could be through dialogue, that could be through um, voiceover. So how can you? How what footage do you use at that point? Well, that's when symbolic footage comes in. So you have to think metaphorically. For example, let's talk about going, you know, at this point in the story, at this point in the edit, we're talking about going on a journey. Someone leaves, you know, let's talk, it's a voiceover and we're talking about this, this person that we're following um, leaves to go and join their family in another country. Well, maybe we don't have footage of that. So let's start thinking about the symbolic ideas of things that we can use at that point. For example, leaving to go on a journey, we could have things opening. Things opening suggests uh, a journey, you know, the beginning, new beginnings. So those things opening you know, you're not just restricted to doors and things like that. You know, you could really think wider than that. And also, even just general movement, camera movements, there's a symbolic meaning behind camera movements. Let's say we are sticking with the same example of going on a journey. Well, if we have a camera that goes in, you know, as in, the camera is creeping forward, especially if we've got drone shots, things like this. Moving forward suggests going forward, suggests a journey. That's something that should be a consideration as well. So you can take some of the footage that you have and create a camera movement going in to create this sense of moving forward. Uh, the same thing can be said for things that go from the left of screen to the right. Things that go from left to right generally are perceived as going forward. And things that go from right of the screen to going left are considered backwards. So if we want to move forward, then you could find some footage that goes from the left to the right of the screen. Um, so using symbolic footage is something, now that you know it, and uh, you will probably spot that a little bit more in the things that you're watching. But using symbolic footage is something that a junior just wouldn't really consider. Um, and it really does play on the audience's psyche. It is subconscious, of course. And um, you'll probably hear from a lot of editors that they edit with their subconscious. Well, we also view with the subconscious. And the reason that you know we edit with the subconscious is because we are also audience members ourselves. We understand when we are viewing stuff, the feeling that it gives us. And so we bank that subconsciously, not consciously. And um, so the next time you're thinking, I want to create this sense, this feeling that I saw when I watched this film, your subconscious is analyzing what happened in that. And we'll re recreate the same things. So it could be a camera movement. It could be footage. Um, you know, if we're talking about freedom, uh, why not have a bird flying in the sky? That suggests freedom. So think about symbolic 
footage that you have or that you can find if you don't have say it and see it footage. That's number one. Number two, the number two thing that pros do that juniors do not. You have to think about breaking expectations. So what that means quite simply is lulling your audience into some kind of repetition and then breaking that repetition. Essentially what that means is keep the audience guessing. So break expectations, set expectations and then break them. And that is how uh, a, a pro editor will think. And you keep, it creates this kind of like up and down, this waviness um, in terms of the, uh, the things that are happening in the edit and how the audience perceives those. You'll notice when you watch junior edits that um, perhaps you lose attention when you're watching them. You'll find that it's really, really flat, right? It could be the music, it could be the pacing of the edits, it's probably all of these things. Um, you That is because, the reason you switch off is because it's flat. You are expecting what's to come, it's boring. So you have to break expectations. If the expectation is this flat line and then all of a sudden things ramp up, could that be music, cuts, anything like this? That's how you, you know this editor knows what they're doing. So number two is break expectations. The third thing that pros do that juniors generally do not is a reliance on nuance to create emphasis. So this is something that I speak about in the, uh, in the shiny principle, um, S H I N Y each standing for separate things. And it relates to your, um, overcoming blank timeline syndrome, which essentially is if you're looking at a blank timeline and you're overwhelmed or you have no idea where to start, you should think about first S is, is how you're going to start the film H who is the human on the other end. I, what's the identity of the film, N, nuance, which I'm just going to talk a little bit about more now, and Y, which is why though, so why are you making the film? Um, if you are interested in hearing a little bit more about that, I'll put a link in the show notes. Um, and there's a free download that you can get, which explains those a bit better. But for this, for the purpose of this podcast episode, um, we're just going to talk about a reliance on nuance to create emphasis. This is something the pros do, that juniors do not. And that simply means not being too over the top. So not, not too many effects, not too many um, transitions, camera movements, these, these kind of things. Um, that's a hallmark of junior editors relying on fancifulness, for lack of a better word, uh, relying on, you know, just energy in your face, in your face to keep people watching. And what really keeps people watching is a sense of nuance so that you can create emphasis. So that means um, very similar to what we just spoke about, setting expectations, keeping it low and then create emphasis. Because if you have something much like with audio and you know, when you're watching a film, 
you're listening to dialogue, you can you hardly hear it. So you turn it up and then an explosion happens and your speakers blow up. Um, that is to create emphasis. So do the same with your visuals and the pacing and everything else. The things that need emphasizing will need to exist in some kind of style. So maybe you want energy at a certain point because um, all of a sudden, you know, we're running somewhere where, whereas we were walking, then at that point, you'll probably want, probably want faster pacing, you know, high energy music, um, shaky camera shots, these sorts of things. Uh, so in order to create that emphasis before that, you will need slower, more nuanced editing, music, and more nuanced, you know, cam camera movements. And the opposite is true. If you want to create some kind of heartfelt, warm moment where you really want to try and, let's say, create a connection between two characters um, and show them bonding, then you really want to bring the pacing down. You want to emphasize that, draw out the shots. And in order to emphasize that and make that poignant, you need to have some, um, before that, you need to have created this expectation um, of high energy so that when this moment comes where they're bonding, then you are creating emphasis. You're emphasizing that moment. That is something that you will probably won't see juniors taking a huge consideration into, um, but that is really how you create a professional looking edit and make the audience feel the way you want them to feel. Remember, you are the editor, you're orchestrating how the emotions of the audience. You have that power. And no matter what footage comes your way, you have the power to do that. So that's number three of seven. Let's talk about number four. The fourth thing I see pro editors do that juniors do not is holding shots for emphasis. And I kind of touched on that a little bit um, just now. Holding a shot for emphasis really too often, and I think it's a, um, uh, I'm going back on myself now. I think this is a, a, a byproduct of the creator economy, YouTube and social media content, and everything needing to be fast paced, um, trying to cater to that. And believe me, there is, a, you know, in some occasions that's necessary, but it, you're just feeding the machine at this point. What if all of a sudden everyone just started creating content that was actually really watchable and really interesting? Every now and again, if you, you catch someone on social media and it could literally just be a talking head and they're talking something that catches your attention um, and there's no fast pacing, there's no fast shots. It's just great delivery and good storytelling. And that is how you can create um, a, you can create emphasis on story. So you really don't need to have constantly fast shots. You can hold a shot for emphasis and, you know, you could have literally just one shot if the content is good and you can, you as the editor have the power, regardless of the footage that comes your way. Yes, you can make good edits 
from terrible footage. And the basis of that is an understanding of storytelling. And uh, we're going to get onto that in a little bit. <clears throat> Number five of the seven things that pros do in an edit that juniors perhaps do not. <clears throat> and a clear sign that you're watching a professional or an experienced rather than a junior is they recompose the music. So that means taking, looking at the entire track, taking one section, because that will work perfectly to orchestrate the emotion that we are trying to communicate in this part of the film. So it's not necessarily the intro of the music goes right at the beginning, then the next bit. You know, we don't just take the entire track, the entire music track, then cut it down to size. No, a professional will take one little bit, there's maybe there's a cymbal crash in that music track that would work really, really well when we have a reveal. Or perhaps um, perhaps that goes with to accentuate an energetic thing, something happening. I really love to create, to pull bits of music where there's a lull, when it's really, really quiet in the music. You can see on the, on the waveform, you pull that and you drop that in just after a piece of information that's really key, that's really important. By bringing the music down, you give the audience this time to, to comprehend the information that they've just been hit with. They've just been hit with a reveal. Bring down the stimulus for a moment. So bring, put that lull in the music just there and that will bring emphasis to that point and the audience will remember it better. And so that's what you are doing as a professional. You are taking the bit of the music that works at exactly the point where you want to create this reaction from the audience. Hopefully that makes sense. Um, and so what you do is you find the bits that work really, really well, depending on what you want the audience to feel at different points in the edit. Then you shuffle it all together and you find a way to connect those bits of music. You're not just cutting to the beat. No, you're taking a piece of music that creates an emotive feeling in you. And you're going, I, right now, I listen to this part of the music track. I feel this type of way. I want the music, uh, I want the audience to feel this type of way at this point in the edit. So take that point, move it there, and then fit in everything else, all the other bits of music around it. Yes, it's laborious, but it pays so much dividends and will really make your edit feel polished. That's the difference between a junior working with music and a pro working with music. Your music is not an afterthought. It is the very thing that orchestrates emotion in your audience. So there you go. Number five, uh, recompose the music. Number six, and this is again, talking about music, but, um, and you'll probably, you've heard this many, many times. So it is true. We all know that uh, juniors tend to cut on the beat of the music whereas professionals will cut on the beat 
only for emphasis. So if you are trying to emphasize a cut, that is when you cut on the beat. And um, I think there's probably a thousand YouTube videos out there that explain, you know, junior editors, they just cut on the beat, on the music beat. Don't do that. It's a, you know, five main mistakes for junior editors. That's probably number one on all of those videos. Um, it is true. It's overhyped. You know, it, it caters to the YouTube algorithm. And I think a lot of YouTube creators talk about uh, talk about this from a filmmaking or a YouTube content creation perspective. But because I have 15 years working in the commercial and documentary uh, for broadcast, I am coming from a different perspective. Um, and cutting on the beat can be very, very useful if you're trying to emphasize something. And going back to the earlier uh, points two and three, breaking expectations and a reliance on nuance to create emphasis, um, using beats to cut on the music is going to put emphasis on something. So in order to create that emphasis before and after that thing, you need nuance. You need to set expectations where there are no cuts on the beat so that you can create that emphasis. So you understand that and now you understand how hopefully better how to use cutting on the beat and a bit more about the principles of that. And so finally, we are on to number seven. What is the seventh thing that is actually, to be honest, the most important thing that pros do that juniors do not. And that is prioritizing story above all else. You've heard this many times, not just from me, but editing really is about storytelling. And it's easy to just like repeat that phrase, but it's really difficult to understand what that means. And especially if your footage has no dialogue, but you can, you can create story even if your footage has no dialogue. And that should be your number one priority. Even if you've got, let's say a Coke bottle commercial, it's just some shots of a Coke bottle with drip going down, you know, and that's it, all different angles, different lighting. You know, there's plenty of creators out there creating that sort of stuff in their bedrooms. How can you tell a story using just those shots and no dialogue? Well, it's very possible. It's not really something that we can cover right now on a podcast episode. Um, it is something that you will need to see visually and experience and do and practice in order to get better and understand it. It is, if you're interested on uh, something, it's a lot, there's going to be a live creative workshop covering storytelling for commercials. That's storytelling where there is no dialogue. That's happening on February the 24th. And you can, um, if you join Unspliced Pro, you'll get access to that. You will learn live and you'll get to ask me any questions at all about that. So that's coming from my experience as a commercial editor uh, in London um, over the last many years. So, uh, Prioritizing story above all else really is something that sets juniors 
editing apart from a prose editing. And that is um, things like taking people on a journey and um, keeping them guessing and also having the kind of the three act structure. And right in the middle, there is a big piece of doubt. So how do we take that structure and implement it on non-dialogue footage? It is, uh, yeah, quite an art itself, something that will set your editing apart from, um, you know, a lot of other juniors. So if you, that does interest you, come and sign up for Unspiced Pro. Join the live workshop, which is happening on Friday, the February the 24th, and you will learn all about how to tell a story without any dialogue. You can head to unspliced.com forward slash pro to learn a little bit more about that. Uh, so we actually have another podcast coming up, another podcast episode um, covering more about I'm going to find the date for you uh, next week. Yeah. Is it possible to tell a story without dialogue in video editing? That's coming next week. And I can't wait to bring that to you. If you have any questions about this, uh, head, to, head to YouTube and post in the comments. These podcasts are currently broadcast live on YouTube. Uh, you can join in the chat. I'm hanging around afterwards to answer any questions after the live as well. Uh, don't forget to subscribe on YouTube so that you can get a notification when we do go live. And if you're listening to the podcast, then that is obviously a recording of the live. Um, so if you want to join the live, head to YouTube and you will find me there. Unspice is the channel, obviously. And if you are looking for, if you are a junior editor who's looking to move away, you're unhappy with your work and you're looking to move towards video editing and find joy in your work as a freelance video editor, then you may be interested to hear about a three-month quick career plan which is available to you for free. So it's essentially a step-by-step -step guide to help you tick off each step between becoming a self-taught video editor to launching your career as a freelancer. And it runs through all the things that you should, you should know as a prerequisite before you start working with clients, what, what things you should know that are going to put you in a better position with clients when you do start receiving income. All the steps, they're there. You can tick them off one by one, 19 steps, and they're yours for free. Just head to unspice.com and you'll see the sign up right on the homepage. Easy to find. Um, and that is essentially a three-month program that we've done with uh, one of the students. They found freelance work. And so the idea from that point is we work together to get them onto the next best thing. So this is a three month plan for you to be able to do in your spare time to get you your first freelance gig. And then 
from there, it's about building up your career and getting you onto the, the, the better paid jobs and working for better clients. All right. Thank you so much for joining me today. Um, please don't forget to subscribe. I really forget to keep saying that. So uh, please do subscribe and it would mean a lot to me. And if you are feeling very thankful, perhaps some of the information that you received today has completely changed your perspective and given you some food for thought, then please leave a review and let me know because it keeps me going. This podcast is a labor of love, but it's by no means easy. And so I would love to hear from you. Thank you so much for joining me and I will speak to you next week. Bye.